It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippy is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome on Robbie Weinstein. Robbie covers Vanderbilt for the 247 site there in Nashville. I appreciate your time, dude. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, ready to finally get back to some football. I wasn't really expecting the double bye week at this point in the season. So it's been, it'll end up having been three weeks since the last game when that game on Saturday kicks off. 
Yeah, I, that's probably a good place to start because, I mean, hell, if we've learned anything right. this year, it's really just to not expect anything or expect the unexpected, whichever way you want to look at it. But so Vandy gets through the first couple games fine. I imagine their COVID situation was not perfect even during that. At what point did you kind of start detecting that, okay, this could be a problem in terms of game stopping? The the night before the South Carolina game, Donovan Kaufman, who is a really good true freshman like defensive back for them, he's been starting this year, which you know probably says something about Vanderbilt, but I think he's going to be a really good player in the SEC as well. He tweeted the night before the South Carolina game that he tested positive, was, was the quote. Uh, probably, <laughs> I think he then deleted the tweet. I think they probably weren't super happy about that. Uh, and so at that point, you realized okay, um, what's going to happen to all the defensive backs when we show up to this game tomorrow? And, you know, as many people expected, you show up to the game and then the communication staff announces that they've only got 56 scholarship players available. Uh, the minimum in the SEC to play, of course, is 53. And, uh, like, I think they had, like, three safeties available or something like that. Uh, they, like, more than half of the secondary or about half of the secondary, including three starters, I believe, were out for you know reasons that they wouldn't explain. Probably because they either tested positive for COVID or they were, you know, sidelined due to contact tracing. So that's that's when we realized. And then at that point, when you hear that Vanderbilt, which is probably the worst team in the SEC anyway, is down to 56 scholarship players, it became pretty clear that that was not going to be a competitive game. And that's exactly what happened. Where are they at now? What is the situation at like now? Obviously, the Missouri game doesn't happen. You had the built-in buy. Honestly, I was looking at it last week. We were doing our pick segment on Friday, and like the two teams with COVID issues had natural bye weeks the week right. they, the games got moved. They got. I mean, obviously, you can't, can't really plan for that, but that was super fortunate to not really throw a wrench in the scheduling thing. But just where are they at now health-wise? I understand that's a incredibly difficult question to answer given college media relations yeah. and all that, but just your best estimation about what, who they'll run out there on Saturday. Well, it, it partly depends on how much you believe the depth chart. Uh, Derek Mason said on the sec coaches teleconference today that they're as healthy as they've been since the Texas A&M game, the season opener. You know, I almost don't know how much to believe that uh, because they haven't been very transparent about COVID stuff, probably even less so than other sec schools. So I, I do think they'll probably, I mean, they're, they're not going to have issues uh, actually playing the game. Like, I think they're going to be well over 53. Uh, I think there were something like 70 guys on the depth chart. If that's the case, you know, like the defensive backs are all coming back, it seems like. Uh, the leading rusher, JVM Marlowe, he also missed the South Carolina game. And he wasn't on the depth chart, but I guess was at practice yesterday. So it seems like, you know, it's more of a matter of getting back in shape for him. I think they're probably going to be, I don't think they're going to have a full team, but I think, you know, they could be missing something in the range of like five to seven guys. I don't think, I think at this point with the two week break or really three week break, I do think it's going to help a significant amount. I think they're going to be back to more or less whatever the baseline is for any of these teams, because I don't think any team in the SEC or in college football at this point can expect to go into any game with a full roster. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's obviously not ideal for anyone. I mean, Florida had the big outbreak or whatever, but even I mean, for a school like Vanderbilt, given its kind of recruiting footprint and recruiting mode, I mean, you're already kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. And to have that kind of outbreak and to go into a South Carolina game 
you know, not at full strength is probably even more backbreaking. That was a bit of a surprising result to me. I thought I didn't think South Carolina was very good. I thought Vanderbilt would kind of hang around and give them a game. It was close in the first half. But like, how much would you put that on Vanderbilt playing poorly, and how much would you put it on being them just being undermanned? Because to your point, yeah. they got to the point where they couldn't even play the next week. So like, just how bad was it that Saturday? Uh, I think it was actually mostly being undermanned. Uh, do they win the game if they had a full team? Probably not, but I do think that was their most winnable game of the season. And when you look at what happened in the second half, they gave up some big plays that that sort of broke the game open. There was like a 80 or 90 yard touchdown run and then another like 55 yard touchdown run on like a double reverse trick, trick play sort of thing. And when you looked at uh, who screwed up on those plays, it was true freshman safeties who were not going to be playing this year unless a bunch of guys tested positive or were out for whatever reason. So uh, if they have their normal guys back, you know, I just, I just don't think that they're as likely to give up big plays like that in the run game. I think the run defense is fine because the, the defensive line is way, way better this year than it was last year. That's not saying much because it was really terrible last year, but I do think, I mean, you could just see the impact of having to play these guys who otherwise would not have been playing in any circumstances and would have been redshirting this year. All that aside, and the COVID issues aside, they're getting back on the field this week, obviously. I imagine they look at this, I mean, looking down Vanderbilt's slate and you have the 10-game conference only schedule, you start with two ranked teams, South Carolina-Missouri game gets moved. I imagine this one is circled to try to get into the win column. I mean, if it, they're not dissimilar to Ole Miss in the sense that, like, right. you look down a, a 10-game SEC slate and you're like, can you pencil one in there? I imagine this was one of them. What is just kind of the mindset going into this week after a pretty brutal start? Well, I think before the season, there was some optimism that this could be one of the more winnable games. I think at this point, you have to look at the matchup and just say it's not a very good matchup for Vanderbilt because they can't score points. Uh, the defense... You know, didn't play well against South Carolina, in particular, giving up lots of big plays. And I explained why that was because of the freshmen that were playing. But the offense wasn't missing a lot of guys. The offense just kind of is what it is at this point. I think it's not good. It's it's the worst offense in the SEC, and, and it's not close right now. So I think it would be, you know, against Missouri, maybe you can hold them down a little bit. South Carolina, theoretically, they had a chance to do that, and it didn't it didn't work out. But Ole Miss, I, I just really question whether Vanderbilt will be able to contain that passing game. And so for that reason, let's say Ole Miss has an off game offensively and scores 24 points. Vanderbilt hasn't shown that it can score 24 points on any SEC team. Granted, Ole Miss probably has the worst defense that Vanderbilt has seen this year, but the limitations are still there in terms of the offensive line, and the wide receivers, you know, it, it's funny, like Vanderbilt has a true freshman quarterback and Ken Seals, and he hasn't really been the issue. Uh, he's, he's the least of their problems right now because the offensive line is really kind of a patchwork unit right now and the receivers aren't getting open. Dallas, you led me right into my next question. Seals, from watching Vanderbilt in bits and pieces through the first three games of the season, as you mentioned, he looks fine. Like, you know, completing yeah. just over 61% of his passes, seems to throw the ball down the field with decent consistency. Poor dude's been sacked eight times in, right. in three games. So, as you already kind of answered the question, but it's just the offensive line. Because when you think of Vanderbilt, in terms of them fielding a good kind of bowl quality team, they've always got a quarterback. It seems that doesn't turn the football over and is a consistent right. enough threat down the field to keep you honest. And then has kind of a bruising running back. It sounds like the latter half of that equation is not exactly there. And 
part, part of that sounds like it's because of the offensive line? Yes. The, I mean, the offensive line, I mean, they're starting a converted defensive tackle at right guard. And he's actually been okay, Drew Birchmeyer. I, like, uh, especially in the run game, he's been all right. They, they just can't pass protect, really. Or at least they haven't shown it so far. The run game has been okay, and they've been missing their two best running backs for various portions of the season due to, um, you know, Keon Henry Brooks, Brooks had, a, had an illness. I don't know if that was COVID-related or not. He came back against South Carolina and played really well. And then Javion Marlowe, who's the leading rusher, he was out, uh, you know, mysteriously for the South Carolina game. I'm assuming that that's COVID-related. So, I mean, their run game has been perfectly fine, but Seals... Uh, just doesn't have any time to throw, basically. The, finally, I think they made the right move to go to a spread offense this year, get the ball out quicker so that they don't have to protect as long with an offensive line that's not going to be up to SEC standards most years, I would say. But uh, Seals, you know, it's he's accurate. I, I think his decision-making has not been amazing. He's made some some dumb throws that have resulted in picks or, or close to picks, but... Uh, the issue to me is that on a lot of his completions, he is finding receivers who aren't really open and he's making a really good throw and they're making a contested catch. There are not a lot of plays, if you go back and look this season, where the wide receiver or the tight end is like wide open. And I don't think that's a scheme issue. I just think they don't have a lot of speed at wide receiver or tight end right now. Defensively, as you mentioned, they've been pretty good. You know, Ted Roof, defensive coordinator, obviously, though, that's yeah. kind of Derek Mason's staple. What is their, the dynamic between them two like? And once again, if, if Vanderbilt's struggling, you can't really put it on their defense. Yeah, for the most part, I think the defense is an SEC defense. It's not a great SEC defense, but it's fine. Uh, they have, you know, some defensive linemen who they have pretty good depth on the defensive line. Dimitri Moore at linebacker you know, probably could play in the NFL. I think the interesting thing is that Ted Roof hasn't really changed the scheme much. They used to be 3-4 under Mason, and they started kind of shifting away from that over the last couple of years. Now it's sort of, they technically do have three down linemen on the depth chart, but the main outside linebacker, Andre Mintz, plays in the three-point stance for the most part, and he's effectively just a defensive end at this point. So it'll usually be four linemen if you include him and then two linebackers like when teams like Ole Miss are, are going to be running three, four, five wide receivers out there. So the scheme has evolved over the last couple of years, but I wouldn't really say Roof has changed anything. Um, maybe the, you know, the calls are different. I don't know, but uh, I would say that there's been some success probably in part because it allows Mason to focus on being the head coach and he trusts Roof because Roof is a veteran in this industry. He was the defensive coordinator for Auburn's national championship team with Cam Newton, I believe. So um, they, they definitely trust him. And the defense has been fine when they've had the guys available. I guess we don't know exactly who's going to be available this week. That's going to be the question mark. I would say the corners have not been particularly good. Uh, that's the weakest position on the defense, I would say. And that, of course, is a pretty big concern when you're playing an Ole Miss team that has really good talent at wide out. Yeah, and it's interesting. Like COVID issues aside, it, it, well, even watching the first game at Texas A&M, like Vanderbilt's defense is good, but it seems like the like depth is sometimes an issue. And it's not even yep. necessarily that they lack depth. It's more so they're on the field so much 
And then that's really when the lack, like if there is even a smidge of a lack of depth, it kind of shows. It seems like they just get worn down in games because their offense really doesn't give them much of a blow yeah. a lot of the time. I think that's fair. Uh, the, the defensive line finally has good enough depth to where they're not getting worn down a whole lot. Last year, the defensive line just, just did not have enough guys. And, and they were, you could see like in the third and fourth quarter, they were just getting plowed over. I think uh, linebacker depth is is not great right now. They have four guys who are not true freshmen, you know, who can play, and then a fifth guy who's a true freshman. Uh, safety, you know, they had a couple of safeties transfer out right before the season, and I guess one of them, it turned out, had had opted out. Tay Daly, who was a a starter last year, so we thought coming into the season that they would have good rotational depth at safety, and they don't really have that anymore because they lost two guys. So I, I totally agree. Uh, in addition, you know, after their top two or so corners, and one of them is out for the season, like they're they're getting down to corners who just haven't really had success on the field this season. So I, I don't know beyond their top three or maybe two corners on the outside. I, I just don't know that they have enough there to hang with some of the SEC's faster wide receivers. They've got some good nickels, but the outside corners have not been particularly good this season. Kind of a big picture thought, if Vanderbilt is able to win this game, because this matchup, particularly in Nashville, is always fascinating, because Vanderbilt often like gives Ole Miss a pretty good mirror look into its own program. When Ole Miss has good teams, they tend to beat Vanderbilt pretty handily, and right. it's not much of a kind of not much of a struggle, I should say, or they don't lose on a consistent basis. When their program's in a bad place, Vanderbilt hands it to them, and I think Ole Miss has lost their last three trips up there, if I'm not mistaken. Freeze is kind of swan song in 16, lost in that weird overtime game with the A.J. Brown mm -hmm. catch in 18. Like, if there's a path, like, what what is the blueprint to Vanderbilt winning uh, on Saturday look like? Because it's fascinating because I agree. It's like, it's not a great matchup, but at the same time, right. if there's ever a remedy for a struggling offense, it is this Ole Miss defense. Right. History, like, like you said, kind of suggested this should be a close game. Uh, based on the last, you know, two two times coming up here for Ole Miss, like you said, but uh, I would say, I mean, I really think Ole Miss is going to move the ball, so I would say the formula has to be turnovers and penalties, right? Uh, especially turnovers, because if Vanderbilt can then pick up some free yardage uh, on an interception return or a fumble return, maybe a blocked kick or something like that, that would really help because. You know, they have moved the ball at times this year. It's more that when they get into the red zone, they have, I think, the worst red zone scoring rate, not just touchdown rate, but scoring rate in all of FBS, I'm pretty sure. You know, uh, like have a, a return touchdown of some sort, I think that would really help. And just in general, you know, to keep Ole Miss, to keep the Ole Miss point total at a reasonable amount, they're, they're going to have to force some turnovers, I'm thinking three or four. And Ole Miss has been beaten, not I say beaten, they technically won the game, but like Ole Miss has struggled against all types of offenses, but like the whole kind of non-tempo death by a thousand paper cuts like type of deal is how they, they sh I mean, they shouldn't have lost the game at Kentucky. They got a gift from a kicker in overtime, but Kentucky ran for 408 yards and scored mm -hmm. 41 points. And so like Ole Miss, Ole Miss hasn't necessarily proved it doesn't, it fares particularly well against kind of slower offenses obviously tempo has crushed them as well a little bit better against arkansas 
But it seems like this game's going to come down to the offensive line for Vanderbilt. Do you think that's fair? Because if Vanderbilt can run the football on them on Ole Miss with consistency, obviously it's going to open up a lot of uh, else. But Ole Miss is in trouble if Vanderbilt is running with consistency, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think if Vanderbilt's offensive line plays surprisingly well, then yeah, I, I could see it being a close game. And if they don't play well, then I don't think Vanderbilt has much of a chance. So I do think that's fair. I would also say it's funny. Uh, Derek Mason before the season talked about how you know they're switching to this spread offense and they want to run a ton of plays and they want to play really fast. And as soon as the season started, they they are running a spread offense, but they're really slowing it down for obvious reasons. Because I think if you stretch out the game, uh, it just doesn't give them as good of a chance. And like you alluded to, they do need to give their defense as much rest as possible because a lot of times they are going through and out on offense. So uh, it, it is going to be, they are going to try to play slow, I'm sure, and keep Ole Miss off the field. And like you said, if they can put together even two drives where, you know, it's 80-yard drives and they are having consistent success in the run game and really burning clock, that starts to put some pressure on Ole Miss, I think. Um, you know, I, I sort of don't have faith in the passing game at this point or enough faith to say that Vanderbilt is going to be able to you know, pull this one out or even make it particularly close. I think the line right now is Ole Miss by 17. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if Ole Miss doesn't turn it over, I think this could get ugly. This is and like kind of looking down the rest of Vanderbilt's schedule. If you were trying to kind of stockpile a couple wins to buy yourself some credit, if you're Derek Mason, COVID aside, like before the Missouri game got moved, this was kind of the stretch of the season where you thought yeah. they'd make their hey, right? You get Missouri, yes. Ole Miss, Mississippi State and Kentucky before it really stiffens up at the end. If Ole Miss like were to win this game, where does Vanderbilt kind of go from here? And I guess that kind of opens it up. And really the next question I had is like big picture with Derek Mason, where is this thing headed? Because we're in a weird year with the pandemic. You know, Vanderbilt's athletic department doesn't necessarily operate like some of the like all right. the other SEC schools to some degree. Like this, I mean, I don't think they'll go zero and ten, but like it like. At what point do you think they move on from him? Because everyone is strapped for cash. It's it's a fascinating dynamic. Right. Yeah, if they go even one and nine, I, I think it would be difficult to yeah. I, it's it's so hard to say because exactly what you said. It's just not a normal year. Like in a normal season, if they only won one SEC game and maybe you know went like two and two in the non conference and and went three and nine again then I guess I could see them making a move, but I just don't know what their finances look like. They haven't had fans at games except for students, but the students get in for free. Uh, so I, I don't know if they're going to have fans at games. It's difficult to say. I think the one thing that they can hope for is that Mississippi State seems to be falling apart right now. They've got a bunch of guys transferring and leaving the program, and Vanderbilt and Mississippi State play next weekend in Starkville. But, yeah, looking through the schedule, I mean, you know, maybe Mizzou, they, they could beat maybe Kentucky, maybe Tennessee, but I, I do kind of think you've seen in recruiting recently that um, opposing staffs are just hammering these recruits with Mason is going to be fired. Mason is going to be fired and it's working. Devin Lee, <laughs> who Ole Miss just got, uh, he, I think was going to go to Vanderbilt, you know, in September and change his mind. And I am sure a lot of that had to do with Vanderbilt not starting the season well, uh, specifically the LSU game and the South Carolina game. And, you know, I, I don't know if the Ole Miss staff hammered him with that, but, uh, I mean, there have been a number of Vanderbilt recruits who it seems like they're going to get, and then they can't quite pull the trigger when coincidentally or not so coincidentally other staffs 
are telling them that uh, the staff is not going to be there at Vanderbilt by the time they get to campus. So it, I think this is really hurting them in recruiting. They need to win badly for recruiting. Uh, in terms of Mason, you know, the AD at Vanderbilt, Candace Story Lee, she had media availability last week and got a couple of questions about Mason's contract status, and she didn't really stick up for him. So, uh, you know, like last week, this was a big talking point. Maybe not what she said, but just in general, in terms of Mason, that's calmed down a little bit this week now that there's an actual game to talk about. But, yeah, I, I, I think at some point, Mason's record kind of is what it is. And, you know, he hasn't had a winning season yet. They've got some good pieces for the future for sure. I don't know what the finances look like. So it is so, so hard to project, I would say. And at the same time, if they're able, like, just say they pull off the upset Saturday, they beat Ole Miss, maybe they pick off State in Kentucky and mm-hmm. catch, you know, Tennessee or Missouri vulnerable down the stretch. If you can get to, like, three wins, there's yeah. a path to him selling new coordinators, freshman quarterback, right. weird year, right? As, as oh, strange yeah. as that sounds, because yeah. in a normal situation, you figure his seat for Vanderbilt's standards in, in particular would probably be scorching hot. Yeah, uh, no, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, if they win three games, then that means the rest of the season they're going three and four the rest of the season, assuming that none of these games are canceled outright. So I, I, I just think that completely changes the complexion of things. You can point to that. Okay, we went three and four in the last seven games. And like you said, we have a really promising true freshman quarterback. The offensive line had a, a bunch of guys opt out prior to this season, and we couldn't really do anything about that. And you know, once we build up the offensive line again, we're going to be just fine. I think they can definitely sell that if that's the case. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, the last two SEC games were 41-7 to at home against teams that are not contenders in their respective division, I don't think. Maybe LSU gets there at some point. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it just depends on how many games you think they're going to win, I guess. It, it, the, other, the other variable is that you know, one of these teams could lose their starting quarterback due to COVID at, at any time, potentially. And that completely changes a game that maybe we didn't think was winnable for Vanderbilt. And all of a sudden it's in play because the other team doesn't doesn't have their quarterback. It is It has never been harder to predict. We'll be interesting to see how it shakes out Saturday because if Ole Miss loses that one, they're one and five and have gone from a fun team yeah. to a team that just sucks and scores a lot of points sometimes. And <laughs> that would put them in kind of a weird place as well. Robbie, I really appreciate the time, man. This was fantastic stuff. I enjoyed talking to you and I, uh, I'm sure I'll see you down the road soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.